0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here in the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we broadcast today from Commodity Classic, which is underway in Orlando, Florida. Not a pretty day on the markets, whether you look at the grain or the livestock, some big struggles and one of the biggest struggles coming out of this wheat complex. We're going to talk about what's been pushing this wheat market lower once again. On the flip side, we'll be talking about this cattle market and you know, feeders usually when corn is down, feeders are up. It is not that way today. What does that mean for the tone of the market? We're going to find out all the the details today with Sean Hackett with Hackett Financial Advisors, who happens to be sitting right next to me here at Commodity Classic. So let's start out talking about this wheat complex because, you know, a lot of times when wheat goes down, corn kind of follows suit as well. But this wheat market's definitely got its struggles.
1: It does. You know, I think it started off with getting some rains in, in some of the winter wheat belt in the U.S. Now we're getting rains in, in bone dry fronts. And then all this talk about this uh, grain deal is going to be renewed. And speculators were already in a, in a bearish mood because of the Federal Reserve raising rates. And it just got ahead of steam. And then, of course, you know, when, with the corn market, too many acres, demand being suspect, um, good moisture from the winter time, I mean you just you start throwing all these things and, and all of a sudden you start getting into a uh, a momentum driven trade and it looks like we 're in a full blown uh, momentum driven trade that know doesn't appear to have a catalyst to turn it around until maybe we get to the acreage report at the end of the month and maybe that can provide some surprises.
0: You know, Sean we've got obviously some warm-ups that are starting to happen the south is as corn planting is underway many folks watching that winter wheat to see what emergence is gonna be like as that warm weather continues to make its way north. No
1: question I mean we're the south is you know getting off to a pretty quick start on that growth coming out of dormancy as I said you know the the, the weather models continue to look at a fairly active pattern in a lot of areas not every area but we're getting The moisture. You know, we have to find out how much damage was done to winter kill, how much damage was done to the drought that already preceded it. Still hard to know, but when the market is in a bearish mood and it sees rain in the forecast, it hits a sell button at this time of the year.
0: Even if that rain isn't going to mean much to a crop that was planted, you know, last fall. It's it's
1: a psychological thing. You know, it, it, the market just gets caught up in these psychological um, momentum trades. And when it wants to sell, it just finds an excuse and goes with it. But right now, you know, the trend is your friend and, and they're looking at rains as being a modest bearish home to the market right now well,
0: since you're talking about rains let's talk about the fact that we've got one weather pattern that is dead another one that's going to be moving in but we've kind of got this holding pattern in between
1: we call it the transition year you know when you go away from La Nina to an El Nino we went back and look at all multi-year La Ninas that moved over to El Nino there's been six of them since 1900 four out of the six had a much much drier summer than normal two were wetter um So, some of the things we're looking for is we're looking at, um, there's all this big snowpack that we have out west, just epic snowpack. We went back and said, when's the last time the atmosphere acted this way? 1982, 83 was the winter, the last time we had anything like this. 83, if you recall, was one of the worst grain crops we've had in the last 100 years because of a severe central eastern based drought, which we have not had the last two years. The second thing is the Pacific Decadal Oscillation. For those who don't know, it's another measure of sea surface temperatures in the Pacific. It got more negative in the month of February. That means that the cold ring of sea surface temperatures on the west coast of California tends to bring a dome in the Midwest. We saw this in 2012 develop. So we're kind of seeing things that says we're going to have a good planting season, but we might be looking at a dome coming into the central eastern grain belt that could bring or revive some bullishness into the markets. I think that's something to pay attention to. And I'd pay attention to April. If I'm a livestock producer, pay attention to April for some buying opportunities and feed. I think it's going to be an opportunity for them.
0: So we've got guys in the Western Corn Belt that are taking that maybe sigh of relief a little bit because we've had those two years of very stressful lack of moisture opportunities. Yeah,
1: I'm actually very optimistic that the West is going to have a much better go of it. I think you could be look, you could be the one this year that has the big crops, the big yields, and it's the Central Eastern Grain Belt that is bringing the yields down. Remember, to have a really bad corn crop or soybean crop, you need Central, you need Iowa, Illinois, Indiana to get into the mix. I think there's a chance we get that migration this year and and create that scenario which is good for you in the west but maybe not so good for the ones in the east who've had a good go of it the last couple of years
0: i mean we're only talking the 9th of march today but so much already talking even here at commodity classic everybody's talking about how much snow they have in the dakotas how much snow they have in you know montana colorado that snow has to go somewhere when it melts can the missouri river handle all that moisture coming through? Can the Red River handle all that moisture if they get a fast snow melt? There's gonna be, we think in the Northern
1: Red River Valley, there's gonna be some issues with flooding. I'm not sure it's going to be severe, but I think there's going to be some issues with the flooding. I mean, I still think you'll take it versus drought, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I think that's going to be an issue. It probably will delay some planting up there in the northern plains. Um, we'll have to keep an eye on that, how, how warm is warm and how, how much more snowfall do they get before the thaw kicks in. But definitely some flooding in the northern River Valley is something to pay attention to.
0: As we look at the, the, what we're seeing specifically in the corn and the beans, I mean, corn, is it following wheat? Are we going to see that continue? And is a new low possibly been put in place for these grains?
1: Well, I mean, right now, when I'm looking at new crop corn, you know, it's it's, it's hitting at 550 area. You know, there's another chart support that says five and a quarter. I think those levels are possible. I mean, five and a quarter is possible. But I don't think we can take the corn market much below that level without actually saying we're going to have a big crop. We still haven't planted, you know, too much yet. So, you know, but I do think we can broach that area. And maybe, just maybe, getting down to that area, five and a quarter, five and 40, you know, maybe that revives the export markets, which, which have been so disappointing up to this point and keeping us way behind the USD expectations. Maybe that's the bright spot we need to be looking for here.
0: A lot of things guys have to keep a lookout on. Um, talk about those export numbers here, quick before we go to break. Are we gonna see an uptick coming our way?
1: With these lower prices, I believe we are going to see an uptick. I mean. Just like anything else, everyone in the world is looking for a good value proposition and the U.S. is finally giving them a reason to come here and buy some grain. So I think this is a good thing. The bright side to a negative day or a negative period is we're going to see some revival of exports and that probably is what puts in the low, at least for now.
0: All right. Well, stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up as we get ready for the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell. Of course, we are a commodity classic, one of the largest shows out there for our corn, soybean, sorghum, and wheat growers. we come back, we'll take a look at the flip side. What is this grain markets meaning to our livestock producers? We'll talk more about this month of April as well. The Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.
1: Hey, Tom, I see a Fontenelle sign there on your North 80. That corn looks pretty good. Well, yeah, my neighbors had good luck with Fontenelle, so I decided to give it a try. They've been around for quite a while? They sure have. In the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a nine-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. Wow, that's impressive. I'm thinking I might add some Fontenelle to my farm. Well, just contact your local dealer or go to Fontenelle.com if you want more information. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices.
0: Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're broadcasting, of course, from Commodity Classic, which is underway in Orlando, Florida. And sitting next to me, Sean Hackett with Hackett Financial Advisors. A couple things we need to touch on before we go to the livestock. And you brief? What was going on with the Russia Ukraine deal? And what's that going to mean? Is hopefully they get another agreement in place. But if not, could that cause some interesting market trade for us?
1: Well, ever since the Chinese put out that white paper several weeks ago, the market has believed that this deal is a done deal, that they're going to extend it and it's done. And the market's obviously been reacting, especially in wheat. But if by chance there'd be a surprise, I mean, we, there's always surprise in the market. Boy, would we would see a violent reversion in the market. And so that's, you know, not something, it, it doesn't. I don't think that's a high-likely outcome, but it's always possible that we don't get that renewal that everyone's expecting. We get a, a, a rope-a-dope, as we call it, in markets.
0: March 21st is also another date that's looming, but this comes on, on the Fed side.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Federal Reserve Chairman Powell was very clear in his testimony that he's going to continue to raise rates. Now people are thinking 50 basis points instead of 25, and he just seems... I mean, we have the strongest inverted yield curve since 1981, the last time Volcker did something like this. So we're really in uncharted territory, and and I kind of wonder, are we selling the rumor, buying the news at this meeting? I kind of feel like we probably are, so we might actually see a rebound the closer we get to the meeting, given that the market's already fully anticipating aggressive action.
0: Something agriculture needs to keep an eye on. Always, because
1: asset markets, the way they move, and shake and bake, so do the grain markets, because capital, speculative capital is flowing in and out all the time in our markets based upon those things. Let's
0: we'll switch gears, Sean, and go over to the livestock side. What does a month of April mean to you from a, from a cattle perspective?
1: Um, it means, it, to me, it kind of means seasonal weakness. It kind of means to me uh, a place for for the market to pause as we transition away from the winter season to the summer season. Um, And, you know, today's trade kind of bothers me a little bit. You know, feeder cattle can't go up on a day that corn's really getting hit. Whenever I've seen this, this has really been a warning sign that the cattle market might be really uh, losing momentum and might be ready for some downside action here. I'm kind of worried about this. And, you know, we've had strong beef box, beef prices in the but I just still feel that the market's going to give way and we're going to see some weaker demand into the spring before we get grilling season going.
0: And this isn't the first time in the last couple of weeks we've seen the feeder cattle and even the live cattle struggle when the corn has been really into some negative territory. And on top of it, you know,
1: we've had this situation where Brazilian exports to China were halted because of the disease down there. And we, we, we got somewhat of a reaction, but you would have thought we would have gotten... A much bigger reaction. So two things telling us cattle should rally and it's not. It's a warning sign. And we're, you know, we're bumping up against um, you know, some, some, some pretty high levels here. I, I'm worried. If I'm a livestock producer, I'm thinking I want to you know, protect some downside price risk in the spring. We might be ready for some kind of a, of a surprise knockdown, and I wouldn't want anyone to get caught having to sell cattle too low here. Especially with what we've seen this cattle industry
0: go through in the last six months.
1: For sure. You know, <laughs> if you don't like the cattle market, wait one month. It may just change in a whole lot, and, we, and we've seen a lot of that. So when they're getting us good, you know, take some money home on the farm.
0: What about from the dairy perspective? I cannot have you on this show without talking about what's going on in the dairy industry. Well,
1: the big thing I'm seeing is the cattle price is so high, we're seeing cull, uh, culling really aggressively. In the dairy herd, we're seeing the herd starting to shrink, and anytime we start to see that, means production is going to come down. And we think seasonal lows here, typically at the end of the first quarter, are pretty common. China coming back online in the second quarter, we think we're carving out an ugly low, but a low nonetheless. So we're optimistic things are going to get better in the second quarter.
0: I got to ask you um, with China, and I know that there's been a lot of talk of the anti-United States and the, you know. Don't pick a fight with us because we're going to come back at you. And there were some rumblings earlier in the week, and some saying it might have had an effect, and will continue to have effect on our markets. Any time that the U.S. and China are getting are getting after each
1: other and and emboldening each other, you keep worrying about that. You know, we could enter some kind of a new trade war, new sanctions. Um, it's it's really, you know, you, it just you just don't want to go there. I mean, we went there in eighteen and nineteen, and it was ugly. And even though they eventually need the product, short term it could create a uh, an air pocket for our prices and I, you know, we, just, we just would like not to broach that subject, but anytime we start pushing the envelope, you know, you've got to worry and I think it brings some sellers into the market just in case, I just in case trade, you know.
0: As you look at um, the market as a whole, grain or livestock, what's the one key thing that's kind of sticking out to you right now?
1: I really, really think that if we can get energy market, the crude oil market, off the tarmac to move higher, I think that would change the complexion of markets. It's been such a struggle, it's been so hard to get that crude oil market going. But if remember, renewable diesel and ethanol are a big part of our markets. I just think if we can get that market moving up again, as I think we probably are, it might change this endless bearishness we're seeing in commodities in general and in grains. So I would watch the crude oil market get its head off the bar here and maybe have a rally into the second quarter as a sign maybe things are changing.
0: Wonderful. Well, thanks, Sean, for coming to Commodity Classic to do Final Bell with us today. What is the best way for folks to get a hold of you?
1: Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Lots of information on there. We have a Twitter page at Faradix11, our LinkedIn page as well. We usually put some stuff on there to kind of update people on our cycles and our work.
0: Sean Hackett's been joining us here at Commodity Classic. Just reminding folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's the Fontenelle final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids. And all your local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.